All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. It's your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. 121. 121. What do you got from 121? I think 121 is a perfect square. I think 11 times 11 is 121. You're right. So we're going to be perfectly square on this episode. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 121, though. Huge number. Uh, if we want to talk football players, Denzel Ward wears twenty-one for the Browns. He's a pretty, he's a solid corner. Another solid Pro Bowl season. Top top ten corner, I'd say. Yeah, he's like top two paid, which it, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But. Yeah, but I mean, he's good. He's effective. No, I like him. I like him a lot. Um, he's one of those players that once I watch his college tape, he's one of the few that I knew was going to be like really good. Oh yeah, everyone knew this that. Exceptional State guy. Exceptional footwork, and the one thing that people say is like. Will be so good. Why don't we hear about him on Ohio State? You didn't hear about him because nobody was throwing the ball anywhere near him exactly. because he had his guys blanketed. You, so you, speaking of corners, you know how, who I'm really excited about that I think Pittsburgh might hit in the first round. I even I could not name outside of the quarterbacks. I couldn't and Marvin Harrison Jr. I could not name one player that's going to get drafted this I've year. I've been keeping track. Lately. I haven't been keeping track. Is uh, uh, his name is Quinnen Mitchell out of Toledo fantastic cornerback. Toledo has a cornerback that's that good? Yeah, he's projected first first round, early second. I'll have to watch him film on this guy. Awesome. Now, what kind of corner awesome. is he? Is he a cover man? Is he a big body? Is he a... He's a, he's like a cover man. Cover man? Okay. Yeah, awesome. He's good. He's good. I'll have to check that out. He's I like, really hope we draft him. He said Quinnen Mitchell? I, th- I think his first name's Quinnen. His last name's definitely Mitchell. Okay, got it. Him him, and JPJ would, be, would kill it for sure. I don't know who the hell JPJ is. Joey Porter Jr. I was thinking Jason Pierre-Paul. <laughs> that would be JPP. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, before we get into the news, I got a thought that I was thinking about. So last week, this, I guess this is more of a follow-up. The last week we talked about the predictions, and you mentioned a story where some guy claimed that the letters C, Q, and some acts were going to get kicked out of the yeah. English language or something. Tim created his own language a long time ago with no knowledge of this guy and also kicked those three letters out. God damn it, For Tim. the same exact reasons. Is Tim and like a, in, is like an incarnation of this guy? He very well might be. <laughs> but Timothy is really interested in languages and language structure. Like He's created his own language. He creates his own writing system. He's studying Polish and like learning it, like really learning it right now. So who's time to do this shit? Tim does. <laughs> Tim's awesome. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he he's been holding his forty hours a week to the like that's what he works. Good for him. And it's like he's salaried, so he's like, I'm not working a fucking minute. Although oh. I think I think he did say that that changed, so he's gonna get some some overtime, which is good. But I don't blame him. He was just like, fuck it. No, I'm not going to fucking go in for free. Do all this fucking shit for free. Hell no, I wouldn't. When I'm a fucking welder or whatever the fuck he does i don't know how he actually does that's awesome he's able to do this shit yeah like on the side like how awesome is that yeah so he's having he's he's got so much shit going he's also got a new tarantula on the way yeah you told me (laughs) so he he has he has she lobs at the house i guess it's doing pretty good and then he's got another one it's gonna be lord varus from game of thrones lord almighty so he's got he's got a lot going on right now fantastic tim Anyways, I do have another thought going along with that. We talked about Nostradamus real quick. And you know that a lot of people get Nostradamus and Quasimodo mixed up? 
because you got Nostradamus and you got Quasimodo, who's the hunchback of Notre Dame. It's actually a scene in The Sopranos where the one guy's talking about all the things happening, like 9-11 and whatnot, and he goes, you know, Quasimodo predicted all this. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're thinking of Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. I think you showed me that clip. And then he goes, yeah, you know what's funny is you got the hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got the quarterback and the halfback in Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever pondered that? That's so funny. So, anyways, I'm done with my bullshit. What kind of news we got today, sir? My first one is from Sky News, one of our favorites. Oh. This is uh, from February 1st, 2024. Pigeon, suspected of being Chinese spy. Released by police in India after being detained for eight months. <laughs> eight months? The bird was detained by officers after it was captured in May last year near a port in Mumbai, news agency Press Trust of India reported. It was found with two ring ties to its legs, featuring words that appeared to be Chinese. Detectives suspected the pigeon was involved in espionage and took it in, before later sending it to Mumbai's Bai Sakarbai Dinshaw Petit Hospital for animals. However, after eight months in captivity, it emerged that the creature was an open-water racing bird from Taiwan, which had escaped and flown to India. Police then approved the bird's transfer to Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, where doctors said free the falsely accused avian on Tuesday. Pigeons have been used in spying and combat throughout history, including by UK forces in the First World War, Second World War to deliver messages. A pigeon called Gustav brought the first news of D-Day back to the UK after a correspondent wrote a report and attached it to the bird while landing on a sword on Sword Beach in Normandy on 6th of June 1944. India has also previously detained the birds over security fears. In 2020, <laughs> suspicious police <laughs> in 2020, suspicious police in Indian-controlled Kashmir captured a pigeon that belonged to a Pakistani fisherman. An investigation found that the bird was not a spy and had simply flown across the border between the countries. In 2016, another pigeon was detained after it was allegedly found with a note that threatened Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. That's the end of the article. Man, they've had a lot of There's pigeon problems in India. <laughs> going on with that one. There's a lot to unpack there. Now, I... F- <sighs> I feel like if you're maybe China isn't as as uh, sophisticated as we give them credit for, but if you're gonna threaten somebody, I don't feel like a carrier pigeon's the way to go. go. (laughs) So maybe like a drone or something. There are concerns there. That being said, these stories about these homing pigeons and they're like flying across the globe and they just have like a like a nose for where to go. It's almost unbelievable. It's 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 almost impossible to comprehend how they do that shit. It's wild, but it's it's just crazy to me how this thing was detained for eight months it's like eight months it's to like figure eight this out? months to figure out what the <laughs> fuck is going on it's like eight months to figure this out now india's got a lot going on maybe their uh their aviary espionage department isn't really firing on all cylinders definitely not because i mean just in this article they're they're oh for two yeah with capturing <laughs> these pigeons no shit and what's also funny is they should be pretty good at defending their airspace because i've seen a breakdown of like different weaponry by nation and India has, like, more anti-aircraft guns than the rest of the world combined or something ridiculous. Really? Like, they think something's going to happen from the air. Now, why they're not using some of that weaponry on these pigeons... Yeah, they can take these knows. pigeons out, no problem. You apparently. would think so. So, there's there's certainly a lot going on with that one. Definitely. I thought that was funny. Do you have anything more to add? I mean, nope, that's it. <laughs> I think we got the gist of that one. Definitely. 
Now, I wasn't even sure if I was going to do this one, but I think we're going to run it. Um, we're going to be keeping it in Asia this time. This one's from the japannews.yomoyuri.co.jp, which is the Japanese website. Sumo star Kotonowaka promoted to Ozeki, second highest rank in professional sumo, surpassing father going after grandfather. Kotonowaka was officially promoted on Wednesday from Sekiwaki to Ozeki, the second highest rank in professional sumo. The Japan Sumo Association unanimously decided on Kotonowaka's promotion at a meeting to set the rankings for the Spring Grand Sumo Tournament in Osaka City in mid-March, and at an extraordinary meeting of its executive board. After being notified of the promotion by association representatives at his stable in Matsudo, Shiba Prefecture, he said, I humbly accept the promotion. I will try my hardest with a sense of gratitude in order to not discredit the name of Ozeki. Kotonowaka comes from a thoroughbred sumo family. His father and stable master, who also went by the ring name Kotonowaka, is a former Sekiwaki, and his late grandfather was Yokozuna Kotozakura. Kotonowaka is the first Ozeki since Hoshoryu was promoted to the rank after the Nagoya tournament last year. Four Ozeki will line up at the rankings for the spring tournament. Okay, so that's a big deal. This is a big deal. The tournament, the ranks, and the names all sound like they're the same names. <laughs> yeah, it's a little complicated. Now, I, I can't even really explain why, but I wandered down the rabbit hole of sumo over yeah, the last did. week, and I told I told everybody in my life about it. I told my father, I told my brother, I told Josh, I told you, I told my friends, I told my coworkers. It was all I could think about for like three days straight. So a little bit of context for the listeners. Koto Nawaka is a 27, 27, I think it's 27 year old sumo wrestler. He is huge and he's high cut. So like a lot of these guys are kind of just like fat. This guy's like, he's fat, but his, all his fat's like in the, like the upper half of his body. <laughs> he's ridiculous looking, but this dude's fucking dominant. Like I was watching this tournament. I'm like, this guy, he, he can't be stopped. So I had no idea. I knew nothing about sumo outside of the fact that it was fat Asian guys in diapers wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Until I started watching this. Now, we used to watch it a little bit growing up. So, I I mean, my father thought it was funny, and he would make me and Tim sumo wrestle as a little kid. So, that's how we kind of learned how to wrestle. So, we knew the rules, basically, but that's about as far as it... So, as it's, far it's, as it's, it, it's all upper body, right? It's everything. It's all... It's, okay. It's a balanced sport. So, basically, if you and I, if we were to sumo wrestle, we'd be in a ring about... It's like four and a half meters. It's small. It's a small ring in diameter. And you win by either th- four... Forcing your opponent out of the ring, yeah. or you hit the ground with anything but the soles of your feet. Sure. Those are the only two ways that you win. And there's a lot of really split-second decisions. Like, a lot of times, it's like, well, I'm going to just go all out and lunge, and it's either I'm going to knock you out before I fall down, or I'm just going to whiff, basically. Sure. But outside of that, it's it's basically, it's a grappling sport, essentially, but, like, you can't punch, you can't kick, but you can trip. You can't punch, but you can slap. You can't grab hair, and you can't, like, go for a nut shot or something, but you can, you can throat grab. Which is ridiculous. So every every they're called rishiki. Rishiki is what a sumo wrestler is called in Japanese. They all have their own brand of sumo, their own fighting style, basically. And as you watch it a little bit, you realize that there's a ton of strategy involved in the sport. And the other thing that didn't really dawn on me is that there's no weight classes in sumo. You're 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 participating or you're not. So you see a lot of these guys. And back in the old days, there'd a lot that would be like 500 pounds, right? 
right now the biggest one in the Machu Uchi, which is the highest ranking of sumo, is 430 pounds right now. Most of them are about 375, seems to be a pretty solid number. But there's the smallest guy's about 250, and he goes up against these fucking 430 pounders. Now this guy is, he's built like a fucking, like a bull, and he's got a lot of strength, but he uses just different techniques, basically. Sure. The fuck with these fat guys. Um, the one thing that really struck me watching all these matches, and I watched every single match of this recent Basho, <laughs> like I watched every single one, is that when they get started, when they go, they bash heads a lot. Yeah. So it's like it's like heart collisions right right to your fucking head. But this Koto Nawaka guy was just he was just he was killing everybody. With his promotion, he's gonna get hit to the rank of Ozeki. And there's tears in sumo. So the Machauchi or the Makauchi or something is forty two wrestlers, and that's like the major of wrestling and you've got the mega shira which are like the underlings of that division so there's a bunch of them and then there's usually two kombosori or kombosari which is like an, it's like being like a sergeant in the military it's like an officer sure and then you got the sekiwaki which is above them there's usually two of them which is what koto nowaka was at and then you got the ozeki above them there's usually three or four of them and then there's the yokozuna which is the highest ranking which is the granddaddy of them all right now there's only one there can be as there's been as many as four but you could also be no yokozuna mm-hmm. and you have to do really good for a sustained period of time as an ozeki you have to like win two tournaments or something back to back and then kick a yokozuna's ass to become a yokozuna sure but the sumo association besides all your rankings so like once you hit the one level it's like you have to wrestle better wrestlers in your next tournament so you're almost always going to get knocked back down to the mega shira level mm-hmm. but if you're a mega shira and you beat the yokozuna you get a kimboshi which is a gold star Nice. And that's a huge deal. So there's a lot going on with this shit. <laughs> Sounds like it. So this Colton Owaka guy, he ended up going 13-2 and two in this tournament. You do 15 days. Abasho's 15 days. And as long as you can keep yourself healthy, you're going to wrestle every single day. Like, this is 15 days in a row? 15 days in a row. Damn. But a match is only a few seconds. So you only sure. You only do one match per day. What ended up happening, and everybody's at the same, like, everybody's at the same level. So the Yokozuna's going to fight 15 matches. Now the Yokozuna always fights his match last. So if the Yokozuna is in a match, he's always going to be the last one. Whoever the hell he's scheduled against is always going to be the last. That's the last bout of the day, basically. But what ended up happening this time around is after 15 days, Kota Nawaka and the Yokozuna, who is Terano Fuji, who's, he's like 32. He's more of a, he'll let the fight come to him and then he'll just like throw you out of the ring type of a guy. Sounds a lot. It sounds like Greco-Roman almost. It, yes. <laughs> Very. I, there, there's similarities. I'm sorry. And I'm talking about the shit forever. The most is going to get cut. But what ended up happening is they both finished at 13 and 2. So then, at the end of the Basho, the two of them fought for the crown. And the Yokozuna has Kotonowaka's number. Kotonowaka cannot be this guy. Damn. Like, the the Yokozuna lost two fights to guys that he shouldn't have lost against in this tournament. And he gave up two Kimboshis, which are the gold stars, which you don't want to do if you're a Yokozuna. He'll, he'll be back. But fucking Kotonowaka cannot beat this guy. Because they met earlier in the tournament, too, and the Yokozuna Turin Fuji beat him again. So this guy beat Kota Nawaka twice, and you never fight twice in a tournament unless you're fighting it for the championship. That being said, Kota Nawaka earned his rank, his promotion to Ozeki. So this guy's like the top dog at this point. He's the second to the top dog. Yeah, but he could probably beat the top dog. Well, he needs to learn how to fucking do it because he can't beat Turno Fuji, who's a Yokozuna. <laughs> <laughs> but the Yokozuna, like before every day of the bash show, the Yokozuna has to come out and do like these like these like technical demonstration type dance things. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But this is literally once you can get once you, and it takes some getting past the fact that these fat Asian guys are wearing diapers. Once you get past that and you watch the sport, 
it's interesting. best thing best thing I've been watching. Like so fucking good. So <laughs> that's, that's that. Funny. I could go on for a year about sumo. Yeah, I'm gonna start watching it. It's it's fucking crazy. <laughs> Sounds like it. And YouTube, especially for this basher, YouTube had, had some perfect condensed footage, so it's just a fight. Like, every day is, like, 25 minutes, 27 minutes. But the problem is the commentators r- rotate day by day, and it's the English version commentator, so sometimes it's a really good commentator, sometimes it's a really bad commentator. Best fucking shit out there. At least Sumo. the commentators are English. Can yeah. Understand what the hell's going yeah. on. <laughs> I've learned so much. Anyways, go ahead. I bet. Uh, I'm going to do one more. This is um this is from archeonews.net. I don't think we've ever used this one before. Mysterious prehistoric underwater structure beneath Lake Michigan. Uh-oh. Yeah. A prehistoric structure reminiscent of England's iconic Stonehenge has been uncovered in Grand Traverse Bay, an arm of Lake Michigan on the western shore of Michigan's Lower Peninsula. The findings were found by Dr. Mark Holly, a distinguished professor of underwater archaeology at Northwestern Michigan University. The picturesque waters of Grand Traverse Bay have long-held maritime history, with dozens of known shipwrecks attesting to the area's bustling 19th and 20th century maritime trade routes. Under its serene surface, secrets of a different kind of have emerged, capturing the attention of archaeologists and historians. Archaeologists uncovered sunken boats and cars and even Civil War era pier at a depth of about 40 feet into Lake Michigan's Grand Traverse Bay using sonar technologies to search for for shipwrecks. When archaeologists were searching for shipwrecks under Lake Michigan, they discovered a rock with a prehistoric carving of a Macedon as well as a collection of stones arranged in like a Stonehenge-like manner. This is pretty crazy. This is ridiculous. You need to sign I will. I need to read this. (laughs) Dr. Holly displays the rock that some people believe has a carving of a mastodon. It has not yet been verified by any scientists that this is a rock carving of a long extinct animal. About 40 feet beneath Lake Michigan's glowing waters, Dr. Holly discovered stones arranged in a long line over one mile in length. The stones have been dated to approximately 9,000 years ago. That was 4,000 years before Stonehenge was built and approximately 2,000 years after the Ice Age ended. It occurred when the lake bed was dry before the Grand Traverse Bay existed. This site seems to gain life in the media about every six months or so. Sadly, much of the information out there is incorrect. For example, there is not a henge associated with the site, and the individual stones are relatively small when compared to what most people think of as European standing stones. It should be clearly understood that this is not a megalith site like Stonehenge. This label has been placed on the site by individuals in the press who have maybe attempting to generate sensation about the story and have not visited the site. The site in Grand Traverse Bay is best described as a long line of stones, which is over a mile in length. It is, however, not only strange prehistoric submerged site in this region. While exploring Lake Huron, one of North America's five great lakes, underwater archaeologists discovered traces of an ancient lost civilization that is twice as old as Stonehenge in, in Egypt's Great Pyramids. Dr. John O'Shea of the University of Michigan has been working on a broadly similar structure over in Lake Huron. He through a leap of innovative thinking concluded that the structure was perfect for caribou hunting corridors. According to the reports, underwater archaeologists have discovered what appears to be a dry land corridor that once connected northeast Michigan and south and southern Ontario. Scientists say the main feature, known as Drop 45 Drive Lane, is the most complex hunting structure discovered beneath the Great Lakes to date. The 9,000-year-old limestone structure consists of two parallel lines of stones that lead to a cul-de-sac 
zigzag line with natural cobblestones. If the findings are correct, the hunting complex would be twice as old as Stonehenge. It is highly possible that the site in Grand Traverse Bay may have served a similar function to the one found in Lake Huron. The exact location of the Stonehenge-like structure in Lake Michigan is still a mystery. In order to show the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and uh, Chippewa tribes respect for their ancestral heritage and to prevent the site from being destroyed, Dr. Holly was kind enough to notify them of his discovery. That's the end of the article. That's wild. So there's a lot going on with that. It sounds like... So here's the picture of what it looks like. And it does look just like a fucking Stonehenge. See, that's weird because the shit that he was saying... Now, is that an actual picture of the actual site? I mean, I'm assuming it is. Yeah, you would have to... I, I hope so. I hope that's not like an artist rendition. Because there there was a ton of information that you yes. threw at me in that in that article. Um, Because he said, well, it's not really like Stonehenge. But, I, but what, was, he, was that the one he was talking about under Lake Huron? No, that was the first one. The one under that Lake Michigan. That was the Michigan. first one. So I didn't really understand what the hell... I didn't really understand that either. Because, I mean, it's like megalithic literally translates into big stone. Yes. So this would just be lithic. <laughs> I mean... So maybe they're just smaller? I guess. But still, over a mile long? I guess the thing basically is you have to determine, number one, is this really a man-made thing? Because you got, like, the Bimini Road in the Bahamas or wherever, where there's debate... That's man-made. There's Well, there's debate about it. A lot of people are going to say that that's natural. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But there are people out there that say that that could happen naturally. Sure. So there's nothing... I wouldn't consider Bimini Road megalithic. There's, that's not really big, massive stones, like Stonehenge or... Uh, fucking Gobekli Tepe or any of that. Sure. So what I want to see is where, where between Bimini Road and Stonehenge, where does this, this whatever the fuck they found, where does that fall? We'll have to look into this more. But maybe the fact that they got carvings of a mastodon or something like that, that's, that's pretty... That's wild. That's pretty... Significant. Yeah. But and I thought this, that was a really cool article. This other thing with Lake Huron too, there, there's a ton going on to that. I can't really comment. I need to go back and re-listen to it and I'll bring combat comments <laughs> back for the next episode. I, I might look up the story on a different website. Sure. Maybe there's a different article sure. about it that's a little bit better written. But that but... was that's that's interesting as fuck and if there's any any shred of truth to what they're actually finding, if they're not embellishing this shit, that could that could that's be wild. that could be completely rewrite the history of humanity as far as we're concerned. Very well. I got another story that's gonna rewrite the history of humanity. Uh this one comes from NBC4i.com, which I've never heard of. It's out of Ohio. Nice. Police recover over two dozen bags of ice stolen from Vinton County Dollar Store. Two law enforcement agencies in southern Ohio teamed up after 27 bags of ice were reported stolen Sunday from a family dollar. According to the Vinton County Sheriff's Office, deputies were contacted by Wilson Police to assist on a report that multiple bags of ice had been stolen from a family dollar in Wilkes. A pickup truck with the ice was spotted at a gas station in Wilson, 13 miles from the store. Police and deputies went to the gas station where two people were detained and later arrested. Justin Hopkins, 33 of Plains, and Vicki Bauer, 44 of Athens, were charged with theft and taken to the Southeastern Ohio Regional Jail. The store was in Vinton County, where Wilkesville is, but the arrest took place in the neighborhood Jackson County, where Wellston is. The 27 bags of ice were returned to the family dollar. These 27 <laughs> bags of ice. <laughs> and they were recovered and brought back, so they didn't melt. This, this seems like it was a quick a quick thing. I, yeah. I mean, if they're all packed together, I could see that. I'm not. I guess it's winter, so maybe. Mm, yeah, so it probably makes sense that they wouldn't melt, but how do you think you're going to get away with that? So this 
this was in the back of a truck? Yep. Okay, obviously you'll be seen. 27 bags, was it? About 50 pounds a bag. Or probably not, probably 25 pounds a bag. Or are they the big bags or the little bags? Didn't specify. I don't know what, I've never seen a family dollar sell ice. Me neither. That's a new one for me, so. Yeah. Like if they're the big bags, man, that's a lot of work. It's like 50 pounds probably. Damn, that's doing a lot. Who the hell steals ice? Like for what? What, they, what, what you were do? they trying to do? There's a lot going on. Were they going to resell it? I mean, those those bags are kind of expensive nowadays. I think the big bags are like what, like five seventy five or something like that for like the big bag of ice. Sure, probably. Yeah. So how much know. are you going to resell that for? Two dollars. Who's going to buy that? Who's going to buy ice in winter? I don't understand <laughs> what's going on here. Like, uh, in, like when you buy ice, either it's in like the big fridges inside of a store, sure, or it's outside in those things with with the doors. Now, is that on the honor system? Do you just say, yeah, I'm buying a bag of ice? It's the honor system, but you usually pay for it inside. I've always just said, yeah, I need to get a big bag of ice. Yeah. Yep. All right. You pay for it inside, you go outside, you grab it. Grab it. Now, you're on camera, obviously. Sure. Most of the time, there's people at these places. Like, you're going to get, you're going to be seen. It's going to take a while to load. Especially 27 bags. 27 bags. bags. Now, most family dollars I've ever been to have only been staffed by one person. Maybe they're taking a shit in the back or something. Maybe. I don't Um, know. I don't know what's going on with this one. I don't don't think elaborating anymore would help us find any more conclusions. You have any more news today, Ben? Nope. I'm going to leave it at where I had it. All right. I got one more quick one. I'm going to run. I'm not going to run my fourth one. This one comes from stuff.co.nz. It's not New Zealand, but we're going to be going to Australia with this one. Oh, shit. The headline reads, I'll juice to the gills. Australian swimmer accepts $1.5 million offer to take performance-enhancing drugs. James Magnuson says he's ready to take performance-enhancing drugs in the newly formed Enhanced Games. But there is skepticism... <laughs> but there is skepticism in Australia swimming circles about whether the dual Olympian has what it takes to scoop up a prize of more than Australian $1.5 million. If he can break the 50-meter freestyle world record, Australian Olympian Brett Hawk has even put his hands up to coach Magnuson and help him become the third athlete under his watch to go below 21 seconds in a one-lap dash. Melbourne-born, London-based businessman Aaron Zuzusa has founded a kind controversial plan whereby athletes could take performance enhancing drugs and compete against each other without being tested by authorities. A date has yet to be set for the competition, but organizers are in discussion with the venues. Magnussen, who represented Australia at the London 2012 and the Rio 2016 Olympics, confirmed his interest on Thursday evening, provided the price was right. If they came to that party with $1 million for the 50 meter freestyle world record, I would 100% do that, Magnussen said. It has to be for the big money, though. Without it, I'm not putting my buddy through that. I'm semi-serious. So basically what the story is, is they're doing an enhanced games. But they should have done this a long time ago. Long time ago. Which. This is fantastic. This is the pinnacle of human performance <laughs> with all the drugs that you can possibly take. What can? What's the greatest that the human body could possibly do? This Magnuson guy says he's going to juice himself to the gills. <laughs> all right. <laughs> to try to make this happen. Now. The ethics of this, who who fucking knows? I mean, I don't if, really if, care. I mean, if everyone's doing it, they're all in the same playing field. So what's the hell's the big deal? Because I've always wanted to see this for like football or something. Like they, it, it, as long as long as they're not hurting themselves. Like there's got to be some type of there's got to be some type of regulation in how much they can take before they end up killing themselves. Well, it doesn't sound like there's gonna be any of that. <laughs> He's gonna be juice of the gills. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I I like this though. I think this is good. The, the, I think it's. Honestly, I think it's kind of sweet. It's good for humanity. I mean, who knows? We could be pushing limits that we've never seen before. Now, is this guy who is an old swimmer at this point 
are steroids really going to be the thing that's going to give him the world record? Good. I don't know, but whatever. I guess we'll see how this goes. I'll be watching. See, the, the, the one sport where I think performance-enhancing drugs should be legal is sumo. Is maybe sumo, but I think baseball. See, cause, because steroids do not give you the ability to hit the ball. That's the hardest part of baseball is hitting the ball. That 90, 100-mile-an-hour ball coming towards you like can steroid can 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 performance enhancing drugs like improve your sight can improve um, your maybe your reflexes i have heard stories that what? some performance enhancing drugs not necessarily steroids but there are people that specialize in this type of shit and specialize in making it untraceable do have the performance enhancing drugs that allow hitters extra sharpness when it comes to the batter's box. Okay. Now it might be like an Adderall type thing. But like back when A-Rod was juicing, he had a guy that had it down to the to the milligram what he had to take based on what he was saying. So he texted this guy like two hours before the game saying, hey, I kind of woke up groggy or I woke up with this issue or I, I whatever. The guy would be like, take this gummy 30 minutes before your first at bat and you're going to be seeing the ball better. Now that's not everybody. That's not everybody. Uh, Is that a... Is that necessarily like a, a drug, though? Is that necessarily like a... I don't know. You get if, what I'm if, saying? If it's a stimulant, yeah. But, like, sugar can be a stimulant. Sure. I mean, we've seen plenty of football players get busted for Adderall. Sure. I don't know where that falls. That's probably worse than coffee. Probably. Josh Gordon was on cocaine most of the time. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> but, I don't know. I don't really agree with the whole baseball thing because, number I. The problem is, is there was that era where everybody knew that everybody was on steroids. And the home yeah. run numbers were just absurd. Yeah, they were. Now, they're getting kind of <laughs> back to that, but that's for different reasons. That's because people are just trying to hit home runs on yeah. every single swing. Which Now, I, I, I do, for sure, it can enhance your strength, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like Barry Bonds, I mean, come on. <laughs> but Barry Bonds also said that he flat out had 2013 vision. Yeah, that would help. Um, Ted Williams, who was one of the greatest hitters of all time, was also a World War II fighter pilot and was an excellent one at that. Mm, sure. He apparently had 25 vision. Damn. And he said that. Now, he's the last guy that hit 400 in the big leagues, which is uh, it's absurd. It's absurd to hit 400. You you got a base hit on four-tenths of your at-bats. That, that's That's ridiculous for baseball. Um, he said that. His vision was so sharp that he could see the laces of the ball coming at him. That's wild. That's part of why he was so good. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so I guess if, if there was a, an enhancement drug that could improve your vision, I could see that. Yeah. Sure. So, I don't know. I don't agree with the whole steroid thing. The whole, the, it's such a messy era for baseball. Mm-hmm. And every sport has it to a different degree. I mean, look at human yeah. growth hormone. Which yeah. wasn't tracked for a long time. Are you telling me that a lot of these guys could recover like that? Like, look at fucking Aaron Rodgers, for example. Yeah, that Achilles it, it, injury. Now, he's going to blame alternative medicine for his healing, but nobody recovers from an Achilles in under nine months. Yeah, that's a no year way. plus. That's like the worst thing you could possibly tear. Yeah, that's They're tough. recovering from ACLs faster than Achilles tears these days. Yeah. There's no way that motherfucker tore his in September and was ready to go in December. Yeah, it's wild. There, there just isn't. So, anyways... Makes me wonder if uh, if the NFL's rigged. It could very well be. That's a very good segue into our main topic. Yes, it is. And this is a main topic, and we've covered 
we haven't done this like specifically, but we talked about shit like this before. Yes. We did our NFL conspiracies episode not that long ago. It was within probably five or six episodes ago. That was a good episode. It was a fun one. That was a highly listened to episode. Too. It was one of our best ones recently. Nice. But this week we're going to talk about the theory, the hypothetical theories out there that are getting more and more convincing as the years go on that the National Football League, as we know it, is a fugazi, is not real. Or it's it's scripted or fixed. And there's different levels to this because it being fixed is one thing. It being scripted is a completely different thing. Exactly. The word word scripted, I feel like, is thrown around the most. That, That, like, the powers that be, that there's some secret, maybe Illuminati type people that are sitting up in a room with Goodell and they're maybe they're smoking cigars and and they're and they're writing out the script for the next season and who's going to make it to the Super Bowl. Sure. So, we're going to we're just going to be discussing, you know, whether or not we think the NFL is rigged or not. Sure. What do you think, Pat? What do you got for this episode? Well, I mean, there's different variable levels of it being fixed. Definitely. Um, if you watch games, you see the refs making these ridiculous calls all the time. So, like, the casual fan could easily buy into the idea that the league is run by Vegas, and Vegas buys off refs to dictate the outcome of games, which is a form of it being rigged. Sure. There are people that say that the league itself controls the refs and gives the refs the outcome to make happen, and the refs do what they can to make make that happen. Sure. But you have to understand that the league is owned by the owners. Yep. So the owners of the franchises that are part of the league control the direction of the league itself. Mm-hmm. So Gattel works in service to the owners, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So while he's the boss, he's only the boss because they give him the power. And if he starts doing too many stupid shit, the owners can get together tomorrow and be like, yeah, he's done. No more Roger Goodell. Sure. As long as they agree on it, he's out because the owners hold the power, not Goodell. Sure. So that's where it kind of gets kind of complicated. Now, the NFL is registered not as a sports entity, but as an entertainment entity, which is interesting. Yes. Just like WWF or WWE or all that. So is there financial incentive for the NFL to make the most entertaining product possible? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. Sure. So like, as far as the players being involved, I think if the players were involved... It would be at it would be at a level kind of like a Kelvin Ridley situation where he was betting on games while he was playing. Sure. And like in that twenty twenty one season, he didn't play much. I think he only played like five or six games. Yeah. But if you go and watch some film on a couple of his games, you can tell that he makes some questionable decisions when he's running with the ball. Like I remember watching this one play where he caught the ball right up the middle. And he's he's got a touchdown, man. There's sure. and the the guys behind him are maybe five ten yards behind him, and he just stops to try and juke them out when he could easily just score a touchdown. Yeah, I've seen like, plenty of those. Like 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 I think I I I just think that every game being scripted. There's too many variables in football. Uh, I mean, you have you have 272 games in the regular season. Sure, you got to get everyone on board. You have to you have to set. Like think of all the situational play you have to set up to 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 bring for one situation at the end of a game. Like you, you get you get what I'm saying here. But here's here's like, a counter to that. Here's a counter to that. It, like I I know we've 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 talked about like in our like our regular conspiracies episode that it's not hard to get everyone on board and and, to, and still not tell the full secret. Yeah, I understand that, but but there's I think there's just too many variables in football, and then you have to you have to add in injuries. 
you don't know when injuries are going to happen. And then you have to, then you have to have backup scenarios for injuries. Like, I don't well, know. Injuries I, are, injuries are easy to fake too. Sure. But I just, I don't, I don't see how it could be scripted at that level. Well, it depends on how, how far that level is. If, Let's say each player knew going in that their team was going to win or lose. Let's say you just knew that. Sure. There's a whole lot of variables beyond that that don't really matter. But. Because you, you can't, you can't. But, I'm but, not going to say for a second you can script it play for play because you can't. You but just, but you can't. sometimes it has to come down to one player. Like sometimes it's the quarterback play that can lose a game. Sure. And it's like, okay, we're going to lose this game because of you and you have to lose it. You got to play shitty. Sure. When everyone else is gonna is gonna, has to play great. Like I just I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think the players are involved personally. No. Like I I just don't I don't think it's scripted like that. Now not so much this year, but last year the playoff games were incredible. Last season. Yeah. Like like they were incredible games last season. Th- this year it was it was it was a little different. Sure. Well. Like. A, yeah. Like like that that Ravens Chiefs game this year. I thought that was going to be a very exciting, close game. Sure, and it wasn't. You got you got the Ravens that were that were running the ball like crazy all year. Lamar Jackson was playing pretty good all year. He was barely running it. MVP in level. that game. MVP level. Like that. That was a weird game to me. Sure. Um, I know Josh was pretty passionate. My brother Josh is pretty passionate about that Eagles Bucks game. He sent me a couple of videos on that. Yeah. That, well, that was a blowout game. though. That was a that was a blowout. But um, I think. Like we said, I think that um, the NFL's goal is to make money. Yeah. And they're going to try and create content that drives the most viewership. And in my opinion, I think we've t- maybe brushed on this before. There's like there's like seven, I'd say there's like seven or eight core franchises that I think the league favors. Even if they're doing bad, even if they're not having, maybe they're having a drought. I still are, think there's... Who are these? Who are these? I mean, you have... You have the franchises that have like nationwide fan bases. So you have like Green Bay, you have the Cowboys, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, maybe the 49ers. Like I feel like the NFL could probably probably does set up scenarios to where they're playing in big games. Sure. For example, like 2014 playoffs, the Lions got screwed against the Cowboys to set up a, a Cowboys Green Bay divisional round in my opinion like well, like you, you're, you're you're gonna you're gonna get more views out of a green bay cowboys game than you are out of a green bay lions game yeah divisional round i think those type of things could be rigged like if you go back and watch that game the the refs were horrible in sure. that in that lions cowboys game making horrible calls uh one that i wrote down in particular in that game the lions were winning that game 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter. It was a third and one. I think there's like maybe seven minutes left or something like that. The Lions were driving. If, with the score, they could probably win the game the way it was going. Stafford underthrows Pettigrew, his tight end, and the the linebacker throws his hands up in front of him, doesn't turn to look at the ball, and he's and he was grabbing him prior. I mean, it's pass interference. They throw the flag. They call pass interference. But another line judge comes up and says, and he was at a horrible angle. Probably didn't even see it. He's like, nah. I didn't see much. They pick up the flag, fourth down. And then Cowboys end up winning. They go, and the next game is the Dez catch. The Dez yeah. catch that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I think that type of shit happens, where where certain franchises are favored by the league to draw viewership to make more money. Sure. Like, who wants to see, 
Who wants to see a like? Who wants to see a Jags Falcons game? Like, like yeah. you're you're gonna get more Pittsburgh Ravens game viewers. Yeah. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I think the league and, and I think and then I think the league will be like, hey, make calls for this team to win. Make calls. You know, you know what I'm saying? I I I do believe in that. Yeah. I, I do believe that happens. Now I, I I agree with what you're saying. I think that that's how it should happens. But I. I'm starting to think that there's more to the players maybe being involved. The well, number one, maybe. they're they're incentivized beyond belief because sure. not saying this for every player, but a lot of these players, NFL is your ticket to generational wealth, and you, 100%. Don't, you do not have another one. You don't have another shot. Hundred percent. If you don't make it happen in the league, so there's plenty of incentives for a lot of players to be like, yeah, I kind of know what's going on, but I'm not going to say anything. The play that stands out to me is the play of the year, according to the NFL record, whatever the fuck they do. You don't have to do that convention where they give everybody all these yeah. awards that don't mean shit. But was, did you watch that Lions-Cowboys game this year? I didn't watch the whole game, but I saw some all of the right. game. Because Josh was over. Me and Josh and Tim watched just about all of it. The C.D. Lamb touchdown in that game is the most bullshit touchdown I've ever seen in my life. Play of the year. Play of the year. So you've got third and 13. Cowboys at their own eight-yard line. You know they're going to pass. The Lions decide to run cover zero. I remember this play. And throw a blitz out there. Cover zero, mind you. Against the Cowboys, like, you know they're throwing deep. You know they're throwing deep. Like, it's not a, it's not a, you know, you know what they're going to do. Yeah. Cover zero, man, third and 13 at the eight-yard line. You're not going to have any help. No, definitely <laughs> any not. Any help back. But, I mean, Dan Campbell has made these stupid decisions prior. So, he sends... He sends, uh, I don't know, if, I think he sent sent five. Derek Barnes is unblocked. I think he's a linebacker. I don't know. I don't know the line. I don't know like all their positions super well. Derek Barnes is unblocked. Prescott's in the end zone. Doesn't even see him coming. Supposedly, instead of this guy running right into Dak Prescott and tackling him for a safety, which it would have been, he does a goofy little Olay type thing, like a swipe at his head and whiffs. Dak doesn't did, really see it he, coming, but kind of ducks out of it anyways. Did he over pursue? He. Peeper, see, the, were, see, this is this is kind of the argument I make in these situations. He didn't I, really I, over pursue, though. I, I'm not saying you're wrong in this situation, but I see because I've watched these videos before of, of of people freaking out over, oh my god, he missed this tackle, and uh he he could have made it. Like, what, what kind of effort is that? But I know this, like from playing football. At the end of the game, you're you're extremely tired. This is in the beginning of the game. Oh, this is at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was, this was early. But, like, if you take wrong angles and wrong steps and the other guy takes the right one, you're going to miss the tackle. You can, you can miss a tackle. No, he anticipated like, Dak being somewhere where he wasn't going to be. He clearly wasn't going to be. Okay. He clearly wasn't taking another step back into the end zone. Sure. Which is, which is where this guy, he kind of allayed him. Like, okay, so he's coming from, he blitzes on the, the left B-gap between the tackle, the right tackle who was out wide and the guard. Okay. So nobody picked him up. Sure. Dak's dropping back. The pocket kind of collapses on Dak from the left side a little bit. So he's kind of getting pushed into the sky anyways. And he literally, it wasn't like he was flying, but he literally just like always him. Like takes like a swipe at his head. Dak somehow ducks it, even though he's not really looking in that direction to begin with. And then all the guys that were coming, that were collapsing on Dak anyway, somehow don't affect the play at all. Dak scrambles right after that, fires an off-balance pass. To CD Lamb, who is on one-on-one coverage with Kindle Vindor, Vildor, I, I think he's a safety because there's there's no there's no help deep. Sure. And Vildor falls down 
as the ball's being thrown, or as the ball's up in the air. As it looks like CD might have it, Kimbler just goes down. Was he looking up at the ball and running? I don't know what the fuck he was doing. He just went down. Because I've done that before. <laughs> Whatever the case is, is you had man-on-man coverage, and I, don't know, I think this guy's a safety. So their best receiver against a safety, man coverage, no help anywhere. You whiffed on a sack. Prescott throws an off-balance pass to C.D. Lamb, who once this Kindle Vildor dude falls down, there's no one within 30 yards of him. C.D. walks in. I think I remember that play. He just walks in. Yeah, I mean, that is ridiculous. So, But it's like... Uh... Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with uh, the players aren't involved, but it's like, like throw. When, when is it decided? When is it decided that that is going to happen on that play and how it's going to happen? Like, how, when is that decided? It doesn't how, really how, have how, to be. It doesn't really but have how to be you, decided. But how do you predict that scenario? It doesn't have to be decided. Can we give up a big touchdown on this play? Give up a big touchdown on this drive. Third and thirteen. We're going to run cover zero. Send the house. So is it? So now the coaches need to be involved at this point as well. Yeah, I think they are. So they're so. So at what point does your Friday walkthrough turn into rehearsal? Could very well be. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Sure. Now there are a lot of players that have come out and said that that's what happens. They they get the script on Friday. They do the walkthrough. Now the script isn't. It's not a play by play script, but it's a. It's a game plan. This is what's going to be happening. Sure. I don't know. I also think there's a lot of kids in the NFL. I just don't think they'd keep their mouth shut. There are a lot of idiots. I got a new one. <laughs> I got a new one for you. You want to know my latest favorite idiot in the NFL? Yeah. Who is he might be getting in trouble here pretty soon is Zay Flowers. Oh, yeah. Fucking moron. Now, he might be looking at some DV charges here pretty soon. Really? I heard there was an incident that happened. It hasn't been talked about much yet. I don't know if it's... I'm not going to fucking incriminate the guy. Sure. But I've heard that something something might, something might, bad might have happened. Jesus. But talk about a player single-handedly giving away a game against the Chiefs. Did you, did you watch that? Because if he would have done two things differently, the Ravens very well would be in the Super Bowl. So what didn't he do? So he made a... Because he, he's fucking fast as shit. Yeah, he is. He had an incredible play where he picked up a huge momentum swinging, like a 50-yard pass, first and goal, and then he ends up taunting the guy that just just stupid, just Sounds antics. like Chase Claypool type yeah, shit. Yeah, it was, it was childish antics is what this guy decided to do for no fucking reason. It's like every ref in the world is going to throw the flag <laughs> if you're flexing on this guy like he was. And it's like, you're a fucking rookie, dude. Get over yourself. And then it was like three or four plays later... Lamar gets him the ball and he fumbles on the goal line and gives the Chiefs the ball. No, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what what are you, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, I don't know if that's necessarily rigged. But I think but I think even even like like games in the past, like 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 whatever whatever is like a good storyline as well. Like Well, I mean it's tough to ignore the fact that Mr. <laughs> Pfizer Mr. Taylor Swift is in the fucking Super Bowl. See that's another thing. I was gonna bring that up. So at the end of the season Nobody thought the Chiefs would be in the Super Bowl. They weren't playing that good. They look exposed. They yeah. I mean they their offense looked ex- exposed. The they defense wasn't coming together. It all of a sudden has. It all of a sudden has. All of a sudden it's great. And you you gotta you gotta think a lot of those calls in that Ravens game are very questionable. So it's like they let the Chiefs in and it it has been proven that Taylor Swift has brought a lot more views to the to Chief, the Chiefs games. Yeah. So now she's gonna be at the Super Bowl. Probably we, we don't know that. Yeah, she might not make it. Apparently, she's gonna be in Japan. But, yeah, so it's like 
that's content for the NFL. That's that's making them money. That's a huge revenue source. Revenue source that they're opening up. And and you have the the story of the of the come up of Brock Purdy being a sixth round seventh round draft pick. Mister Irrelevant. Mister Irrelevant coming up from nothing, being the guy to beat out two previous quarterbacks. Well, I mean, I guess he, I don't know if he really beat them out. They both got hurt, but. That were on the 49ers prior. Still got being the, the guy, basically. Still being the guy. I got the third string quarterback. I mean, that's a better story, in my opinion. Like just think of think of Tom Brady in the past. Yeah, the sixth round draft pick played in ten Super Bowls. Played in ten Super Bowls. Like I, uh, the freaking the Tuck Rule game. Yeah, against the Raiders. That should have been a fumble. The Raiders should have won that game. Tom Brady should never went to the Super Bowl that year. He fumbled the ball. That that tuck rule was never even called ever in NFL history prior to that game. Nobody knew what the hell that rule was <laughs> when that happened. Like, I feel like there's a lot of those. Though. There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that shit. Well, but shit, in were, that in that situation, that's wild. I mean, they were deflating balls too, so you can't tell me it's not rigged. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, I did write down one crazy one that 100 percent I believe was rigged. Where is it at here? Was it the the Super Bowl, the the Raiders and Buccaneers? No, it's Super Bowl three. Okay. Colts versus the Jets. So that year, the Colts were heavily favored versus the Jets. That uh, the 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 Colts were thirteen and one. They had that really good quarterback. I forget what the fuck his name was. Johnny Mer- Unitas. No, it was Merle. Merle Hodges. I, I don't think it, his last name was like Merle or something. I can't remember. But. They were killing it that year. They were averaging over 20 points a game, and uh, they were upset by the Jets 16-7 to that game. The That QB, that was really good. He only completed six passes, and he threw three interceptions that game. The conspiracy is, is that the Colts intentionally played like shit that game to give the AFC the win. Because back then, it was the NFL and the... I'm sorry, not AFC. The AFL and the NFL yeah. before the merger. And the AFL... The two previous Super Bowls got their ass kicked. So they were like, we need to make the AFL look a little bit more competitive. Get a little bit of parity going. Yes, and Bubba Smith wrote an autobiography, and he said that that game was 100% rigged and that some a lot of the players were, were paid off and that there was like some bookkeeper in New York that <laughs> like scripted the game. <laughs> to to make them lose oh so God. that they could to, so that it could they could have the merger like it, it, it like it, it's pretty wild you have to look into it but, but I do believe that 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 game was 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 rigged <laughs> I mean if it happened back then it can happen now it could happen now especially with the takeover of corporate sponsorship in the league which I mean that's still a relatively new thing that's only really a '90s thing where the fucking corporate corporate just owns all this shit I mean mm, yep. Shit, when we were at the fucking, that Pistons game, Blue Cross has their own fucking platform. <laughs> I mean, how yep. ridiculous is that? Yeah, yep. That type of shit. So, I I just, the, the incentives have never left. The incentives have never left. Because the NFL needs to create an entertaining product. Yep. The money is there. The money is there for everybody that participates. Mm-hmm. I mean, the players all obviously make out. The owners make out. The coaches make, everybody gets. And you, and you, and you just see, like, if you look back and you really look, like, I did really quick research today, but like if you go back and look, the, the best stories make the Super Bowl. Like the the comeback Peyton Manning, yeah, leaving the Colts, going to the Broncos, he makes it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, same thing with Tom Brady. He left the Patriots after that shit season. It wasn't really a shit season, but you know they lost to the Titans in that in that game. He retires, unretires, goes to the Buccaneers, goes to the Buccaneers, and wins a Super Bowl. Yeah, 
Like it's the best stories that that get there. You got this the the Saints after Katrina. Like you know, yeah. it, it's 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 always the the comeback story. It's the it's the content creators. Yeah, and the Browns will never go because the NFL hates the, the Browns. The NFL hates the Browns. I mean, shit. You got Bottlegate. Yeah, the the Browns fucking beat the NFL in court. <laughs> the city of Cleveland beat the NFL in court, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah. So but I guess the other thing, shit. I had a thought. What the hell was I gonna say? What the fuck was I? I can't remember what the hell I was gonna say. I, I had a really good thought. Um. I can't remember what the I had something really good. I had something really good I was gonna say. Oh, I remember you remember the you remember the um Ravens forty nine er Super Bowl? Oh the the blackout. When the Ravens were just absolutely annihilating them and the lights turn out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the forty ers come back and make it a game. Yeah. Talk he, about a ridiculous game. He, even uh Ter- I think Terrell Suggs after the game, he was like, Roger Dragel definitely always has something up his sleeve. He definitely was involved. He just, could, <laughs> he just couldn't let us, they just couldn't let us run away with it. They had yeah. to make it a game. <laughs> well, Terrell Suggs, that dude, he don't give a fuck. He's something else. But, I mean, Ray Lewis said the same thing that game. Yeah. Um, so I, had, I had a really good thought, and I guess so it's, it's not. It's it'll, not it'll come to it's you. It's not coming to me. Um, but okay, so I still think it's it's easier than we give it credit for to rate a game. Like if you and I were to sit sit down and play Madden right now and say we want to create the scenario to happen, we'd be able to do it. There's a lot of variables in Madden, but we'd be able to do it. I mean, it's a lot easier in Madden because you literally sure. just control every but still, <laughs> every aspect. But still. <laughs> I mean, it's just okay if you. I don't know. I just I just can't see how I would go about rigging a game to like get down to a last minute like all right, we're going to we're going to get this game down to a last minute Hail Mary. And all these variables need to be perfect so that it it, it lands out so it ends up with this team throwing a Hail Mary at the end of the game. That's just maybe in certain games, but I, I, I just I just don't I I feel like that would be really difficult to do. I guess going along with that, I think the worst variable would be the kickers. There's no way you can trip, you can script, you, you can script the miss, you, you can't you, script the make. You can't script it. It's too hard to kick a field goal. It's too, yeah. But, but but even like you're dealing with weather, like even like you can script them, you can script the miss, you can't script the make. Sure, but I don't know. Like I like the Blair Walsh mish, miss. Remember that one back in. The 20, Vikings? Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Where they were playing in Minnesota, at the Minnesota Golden Gophers Stadium. Yeah. I felt so bad for Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> that day. Yeah, he deserved it. I, he deserved it. I love it. Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know why I like him, but. I mean, we, we've definitely seen rigging in basketball, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, why it can't, at least in college. <laughs> yeah, the Arizona State thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've seen it in football, too. We saw it with uh, 15 years ago, the Toledo Rockets, the point shaving. No, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Before. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yep. I think they were doing bad. I think they were doing basketball too. <laughs> I think the entire athletic department was corrupt. Shit. Back at that time, and they're not the only school that's done that type of shit. But um, I think well, point shaving is a different thing, though. Like I don't, I don't. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't really have a problem with point shaving. <laughs> like, <laughs> like of all of all the crimes you can commit against a sport, I think point shavings. Probably the least. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. As far as the Vegas thing, I don't think Vegas. I think I just think you know they've been they've been researching and 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 betting on games for so for so long. Their point spreads are just accurate. Yeah. Well, I've figured out my thought now, and it's that it goes along with that. In preparation for this episode, I was looking and I tried to find. I wanted to see what the closing spread was for every single game 
this this NFL season, and I wanted to see how good Vegas actually was with their spreads. I wanted to see how many games were close to the spread, how many were far off, how many times of the the favorite win, how many times did they cover. I couldn't find that information anywhere. Now you could do it you, it's, if it's you hard. if you were to break it down by game by game, you could do it It'd yourself. Take a long time. But I figured somebody would have that information. Some nerd out there would break it down game by game. Sure. And figure out that information. And the fact that that doesn't exist out there, easily available for your casual Google search, is suspicious as far as I'm concerned. True. Now that might be stretching it a little bit, but still, like. That's not, that can't be that hard. You have statistics about everything. You've got some statistician out there that has some fucking gonzo statistic. Like, this long snapper has snapped 827 long snaps without a fucking fumble. Or, you know, <laughs> that's, that, that shit's out there. Yeah. So, with the prevalence of sports betting ever since it's been legalized pretty much nationwide at this point, yeah. how the fuck isn't anybody keeping a spreadsheet about the official at, at kickoff the spread, whatever the fuck the spread is, how isn't somebody keeping a statistic about how good Vegas has been doing this year? Just need to get on FanDuel and just screenshot all the the spreads. Could just do that. But somebody could do that. Some journalist could do that and publish it and get a million clicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially at the end of the season. How good did Vegas do? That's got to be somewhere. But I can't find it. I should be able to find that in the 30-minute Google search. I should be able, in 30 minutes, I should be able to find that. Yeah, you should. That's true. That's and I weird. couldn't, I couldn't find it. That is odd. So that tells me that something's up because all sorts of advertisements trying to get you to bet when you sports when you search that type of Google search. Yeah, but there's not a whole lot of information about how good the house is doing. Yeah, that is interesting, especially considering it's basically available. Yeah, it just takes effort to find. Be pretty easy to predict Pistons games right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, did I did I send you a message about what the hell happened with the Pistons? Yeah. They have a total of seven players left, and we only saw five of them play. The only players that we saw play that are still on the team are Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Beef Stew, uh, that Thompson kid, the dude that had that really good dunk. So is Bogdanovich gone? He's gone. Damn. I didn't think they were going to trade him, but they ended up trading him. They didn't get much for him. They traded him and Alec Burks. I like Bogdanovich. Yeah, he was my favorite. We got to go to another game. Yeah, that was so much fun. Dude, I don't know if we could, I don't know if I could sit anywhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know how much that 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 whole package was. I bet I bet those were at least five six hundred a ticket. I don't think it'd be that much. Maybe not for Pistons. I think that that'd be around. I think he said he spent about seven hundred for it all. Oh shit! So oh shit! I thought it'd be a lot more than that. But that was incredible. That That was such an incredible experience. That was I. I'm not going to lie. I was a little hesitant about the idea. I mean, I wanted to go. I would have been 100% on board if it was like, we'll be sitting like middle of the pack. Like, I'm like yeah, that'll be fun. We'll drink some beer. We'll have some fun. The whole celebrity experience. I, that I was unbelievable. So, I wasn't so sure about but holy fuck was that. That was so, we're doing that again. Yeah, that was. We're just sitting right next to Jalen Rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know it was him. Jalen Rose. I, I, yeah. wa- I, I walked, I walked in the. I walked in the aisle and I was like, oh, excuse, excuse me, sir. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, you, you sorry, sir. You and Tim shoving right past Jalen Rose. I didn't even know it was him. It's crazy. Hobnobbing, hobnobbing with the rich and famous. A lot of people think, you ever see that video of Jalen Rose? People think he's uh, he's like a robot or like a clone. You ever see that video of him just like staring off into the distance? 
Wow. And like he he looked like a robot. It looked it looks weird. Like, he looked like a robot up close and personal too. So I also did not know how tall he was. I thought he was like a six foot four dude. I didn't realize he was six eight. Yeah, he's a big dude. That's why I didn't recognize him. That's honestly the reason. Like what what was crazy to me, and I didn't even know how to react was the type of access we had to the players. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were just, we could have just talked, we could have yeah, just went up and like, what's up, man? Yeah. Like, it fucking, was. Fucking Buddy healed. <laughs> it was just, like, right there. Like, that 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 Jalen Turner dude, he just walked right in front of us. Yeah. He was just right there. And he, we could have got his autograph. I, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know if I was allowed to. When, when Kate Cunningham was over there talking to that guy for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, the, the time I go up and get go <laughs> you, to the you bathroom, miss that, you miss that, you miss it. Yeah, and then the, I think the best part for me at least was when Halliburton drained that three right in front of us and just turned around and goes, "Shut the fuck, fuck up!" up. Yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. That's what them guys wanted. They yeah. were waiting for that. Fucking Tyrese Halliburton, he's a fucking superstar at this point. Yeah, he's good. And Miles Turner, goddamn, is that guy? That good. was his name, Miles Turner. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. He was like, he had like Dwight Howard vibes. Like, yeah. Now, what I, and the other thing I didn't realize, you don't see it on TV, is how fucking fast the NBA game is in person. Yep. Holy shit. They're just like flying around. It's like, I always thought that Bojan Bogdanovic was just like a, like a shooter type. Like he didn't really play defense or anything. Cause I don't, never really got to watch him that closely. Holy fuck, that dude's 34 years old, just fucking hustling his ass off, just flying. Yeah, and everything is just just fucking bang bang. Same thing went with NFL games, man. Like this very last one we went to, we had he got us very good seats. We were fifty yard line. Sure, we were like at that. We were like eighteen rows up. Damn, it was really good seats. So we were pretty close. I'm just like, this is so fast. Like I can't even see everything. Like yeah. this is wild. Like it is crazy. Yeah. NFL games are wild. I've only been to one official one. And I was at I was at the preseason Johnny Manziel debut. <laughs> I remember <laughs> which was you guys pretty awesome. That. But um, the only one I ever went to was it was Ravens and Lions Monday Night Football, like twenty thirteen or something. It was Justin Tucker's rookie year. He had the game winner. I thought you and Josh went to a Pittsburgh Lions game. No, it's not a thing. Who the hell did Josh go to that game with? Not me. Given his other friend Pat. Who the hell did he go to that game with? Because I remember he was he was there. Yeah, and it was. I remember watching that game on TV. Big Ben threw like a 99-yard pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. You know what? Honestly, that game felt rigged. That game that I went to felt rigged. Megatron dropped three balls, three like wide-open passes he just dropped. That's unlike him. Yes. That could Stafford, been Well, I guess Stafford threw your classic game-losing interception. Tucker had the game-winning field goal. Reggie Bush scored a touchdown. Definitely rigged. <laughs> Haloti <laughs> Nada was running around out there. So I saw the comeback player of the year. I saw a fucking... Joe Flacco play. Live. That's awesome. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> Never in a million years would I have thought that in 2024 he'd be running the fucking comeback player of the year for the Browns. I thought for sure it'd be Hamlin, but uh, he yeah. Flacco definitely deserved it. How did Flacco get that award, though? It's like DeMar Hamlin literally died on the field and came back. I mean, what no, else? Hamlin didn't even play. He was playing in the playoffs. Yeah, but he didn't play all year. Yeah. He had, he had like, no stat line. <laughs> Joe Flacco just ditzy-dude his way into five wins or something. I mean, he fucking killed it, though. I mean, yeah, the the playoff game was a little rough, but, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but, man, you, you come into a team at well, tail end of the season. It was well-scripted. And, and play like that, well-scripted. I mean, he's a good actor, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. We really didn't come to many conclusions in this episode. I mean, you can't because nothing's proven. I don't think the NBA is scripted based on what we watched. You can't script that. Then, I mean... Did you see that shit that was going on in that game? Yeah, but I also see the shit when I go to an NFL game and I'm watching that shit live. So you don't think it's scripted? And I'm like, how... I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but to to the extent of all the players are involved... Not to that extent. Not. I don't think. Yeah. I really wish. Maybe, maybe certain. Maybe some players. Sure. And but if if anything at that le- definitely the coaches. Yeah, I can see it. There are some very questionable coaching decisions yeah. at, at very crucial times of the games. And the officials don't help anything. The, I feel like they're just getting worse. They're definitely a part of it if it's rigged. Yeah. The officials. I really wish Josh could have come on to the show. I know. I tried. I. uh. I gave him a day to sleep on it. He he would he he would he would do it. Yeah, he didn't want to do it. Yeah, well, he's the one that really we need to make sure he gets a shout out because he's the one yeah. that's really thank thank you, Josh, for inspiring us to do this episode. Yeah, he's been really pushing it hard. Um, he did text me this week and he said, "You know what, Pat? I think sumo is the only sport we can trust anymore." <laughs> so although sumo is rigged too, sometimes there's been a lot of scandals. That'd be a lot of, a lot easier to rig. Yeah. Like a lot of that, a lot of the individual sports are pretty easy to uh, boxing for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, don't I, know. I think uh, yeah, but I love boxing though. Boxing is so fun to watch. See, I'm not as in the. I mean, I I I'll watch it, but sumo is my thing now, and it's violent too. Like it's not like Hell it's yeah, it is. like the one dude. I felt bad because it was just it was just gruesome. The dude was getting pushed out of the out of the dojo, or it's dojo, it's d o h y o is the ring. Dojo. It's not dojo, but they kind of call it dojo. And something happened. And he was an older dude. He was already playing on a, or wrestling on a bum knee. And whatever the fuck happened, it's like he got pushed out and like he tried to plant and his knee popped. So you see him just seize up and he goes straight back. And bear in mind, the thing's about three or four feet up and you fall right into spectators who sit on the floor because you don't sit in chairs in Japan. You sit on the floor. Yeah. So he goes straight back, and you see his face is wince in pain, and he froze up, so he didn't think about the fact that he's falling backwards, and whoever the fuck he landed on, he just crushed. <laughs> like, it was They're it dead. was just ridiculous. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah. And then the fucking Yokozuna, Turno Fuji, he's kind, of, he's kind of a badass. Like, he's like, I'm the fucking best, and I know it type of a thing. The one dude, the one young hotshot had to wrestle him. And this guy decides to open up by slapping him in the face. And he did not play. So they go back and forth a little bit before Turno Fuji takes him and just throws him out of the ring. He throws people out of the ring violently, and he always follows through with a little bit of force. And he just stood over the guy like this. Like, <laughs> just, just fucking ridiculous. That shit's ridiculous. You, need, you gotta watch some, some grand sumo. I have to look it up when you leave. Watch a couple of videos before I go to sleep. Yeah, watch uh, watch day two. What you should do is just type in January Sumo day two. Just watch that. Watch even even if it's just a few bouts because that has a really good commentator. There's some good bouts. The Yokozuna loses in that one. Spoiler alert. But the one the one guy his sumo style is it's all endurance. So he stands upright and he just grabs you and hopes that you get tired and then he throws you out of the ring basically. It's not a bad not and, a bad strategy. And the announcer the announcer hated it and he's like I can't remember what the hell the guy's name was like heck a sako or something he goes. And he is just trying to do more than just stand around <laughs> during his battle. He wants to see action. Yeah. So anyways. 
uh, NFL rigged. This is the longest recording we ever done. Well, this is by <laughs> far the longest recording. Although I think a lot of it is mm. going to get cut right off the bat, so we don't have to worry about that. Oh yeah. Um, please X us at thirty in the comment on our Facebook page whether or not you think the NFL is rigged. And if you got any more topics for us to do, any comments or news stories or topics or whatever, please X us. Please comment on Facebook. Please. Reach out however you can. Email us, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm really running out of gas here, Dude, so. It's over with. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to go to bed. All right. Well, uh, that's all we got for this week. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. So, we're kind of like in that area. So, um, <laughs> drop us off at this hotel. There's no one. At this hotel, but these this old couple in there, and I'm like, this is a fucking murder. This is uh, this is a freaking horror movie <laughs> scenario yeah. right here. Fucking, I love that type of shit, though. Yeah, so we're sitting in this lobby. There's no one else here, but me. There's this old man with a beard down to his belly button. He can barely walk. <laughs> He's got a cane, and then his wife sitting behind the counter. And they just look like they're about to die. Two people. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, we got a ride coming. We broke down. Can I, can we sit down in your lobby? He's like, they're like, yep, no problem. You sit down. I look at the bathroom. It says out of order. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, hey, man, do you guys have another bathroom here? He's like, oh, these ones are out of order, but I can take you, I can take you to a room that that's not being used. That that we that uh, somebody just left, and um, and they're remodeling half this hotel. So half of it's on and half of it's off. <laughs> sure. Okay. So we have to travel through the part of the hotel that's not on, and they're remodeling it to get to this to get to this room with 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 the, with the, with the fucking shit. Sure. Right. So we're walking through this dark ass hallway, and there's no flooring. It's it the uh, there's no uh there's no like molding like they're remodeling this place there's no lights and there's no heat so it's fucking cold and and down, going down this hallway and I'm like and this old man's walking with this cane and I'm like I'm not letting this man walk behind me what is going on <laughs> I'm not letting this man walk behind me so and we're walking real slow because he can barely walk. I'm like, if, if this dude walks behind me, he's gonna hit me in the fucking head with a with with this cane. Yeah, I already know. So we get to this room, and this room was like just used. It, like it looks like these people just left. Like the the blankets were all in disarray. The fucking bathroom looked like it was just used. Like they didn't even clean this. Like y'all have no other room <laughs> that you can let us pee in real quick. Oh my god, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you should be getting up. All right, well, uh, that's all we got for this week. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. Oh, my God. Sorry, buddy. For what? Talking too much. Oh, I hear that. I'm fucking obsessed with this sumo shit. <laughs> like, I can't... I can't believe, number one, that I was able to figure out what was going on. <laughs>